Paso a Paso <laughs> Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Paso Paso Podcast. This is Miles. Paso Paso Network is based in Taos, New Mexico, and it's a long-standing network of early childhood care providers who seek to recognize and support young children in our community as uh, citizens like the rest of us, as well as their families and their new ways to support them. PasoTaos.org is our website, and we're happy to be back here, both on the podcast and KNCE 93.5 Taos. New Mexico uh, with another wonderful guest, someone we have not interviewed before, and someone who is extremely proactive in a positive way with her community, um, increasingly so. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Cordelia Ortega. I am a farmer grower here in Taos. Um, I previously just left a nonprofit agricultural network, which was my favorite. Um, I'm a coordinator for the Talpa Community Market. That's every Friday at Talpa Community Center, every Friday, 8 to 1. So you're welcome to drop by and say hi to me there. Um, but I think why Miles is interviewing me today is because I was recently elected as a town of Taos city councilor. Thank you so much. And it's all true. And I would actually love to start with, with what you started with. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, um, all the work you do in agriculture and, and why it's important to you. Yeah, well, actually, I started in victim advocacy um, when I finished my master's at Highlands University. I worked with a VAWA grant um, for um, community-based uh, victim services, and I was only able to last in that work about six years before it depleted my soul. Um, and the most nourishing thing for me was return back to my roots. Um, I have you know, the cadencia of growing up here in Taos and having relationship with the land and water um, and growing food that we all enjoy eating. And so I was able to be a farmer apprentice with the New Mexico Asequia Association Sembradores program in 2019. And so um, it was pretty much the best transition from <laughs> from university to a field Um and within that work, I became really connected with a lot of food activists, seed activists, people who are fighting for water protections, um, trying to teach the next generation of growers, of ranchers, um, and it just really resounds with me. So that's um, part of my idea with the top of community market was creating affordable spaces for people to sell their produce, value-added products, and their art crafts. Because um, it's really expensive to to be in a market, so we just keep it really affordable. It's such a chill place, and it's my favorite Friday gig I've <laughs> ever had in my life. Um, and because I care so much about water and land, when the election town elections were coming up, and we had seen a lot of focus going to the ski valley and the airport, it alarmed me um, in in such a way that I decided to run for office. Um, to make sure that if I were to be elected, I would be the individual, you know, keeping note and track of our water commitments, our commitment to families and community, because it was a very, in my opinion, at the time, a very unbalanced time um, for our community in which the focus was on tourism, second, third homeowners, the industries that kind of dominate our town economics. And so... Um, COVID exacerbated the needs, the um, the lack of services, or a 
access to services um, as we were all separated and apart and realizing that so many of our neighbors were, you know, either their grandkids were going to bed hungry or they were dropping out of school because they didn't have Wi-Fi access, like all these very critical pieces of connection and support um, was not, in my opinion, not the priority of our leadership. And so um, I ran on a platform of talking about healing in our community, um, which was pretty unusual. I don't think anyone's ever had a campaign surrounding (laughs) healing and addressing trauma. But when we look at healing, you know, it affects, um, at the end of the day, it's about people and, you know, people, our neighbors, me, we go to work, we have our hobbies, we're involved in our community. But if if you can't heal and there's not a focus on our generational healing, our multi-generational healing, whether in utero to our nine-year-old great-grandparents, like it's hard to show up to work and it's hard to show up as a parent and it's hard to be a sister. All these roles that I have that are impacted by unresolved trauma and that, and I'm just a microcosm. So if that's my experience, it's easy to generalize and say most of us are going through something. And mm. and COVID made it that much worse. And it was appalling to me that grants and efforts were going to the airport and collaborations with the Ski Valley were full throttle and people were in despair and without hope. So um, I'm really proud of my campaign and that um, my gamble of choosing healing as a campaign point resounded with so many voters and residents and not just in city limits but the county um so for those tuning in like city limits is pretty small um, but it's mostly where all our you know medical care is available behavioral health it's mostly where all our access to food is Um, if you're in the greater rural county of taos you know you're driving 20 30 minutes for these things and so to me it was important to capture like what's the reality of people living in Taos and what does it mean to call Taos home? Because for some of us, it's it's just really hard. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all of that. And thank you for um, doing all the positive things you're doing as well as continuing to move all those efforts forward even into roles like this, which I think are really intimidating for people to consider. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. that was for you to get involved in, you know, even though you had so many reasons to do so. Totally. And, um, you know, I'm only 35 and I really thought like, you know, the older generations have us. <laughs> but, you know, last November, there weren't many people saying they were going to run for office. And it is intimidating um, to be young and a woman in a realm where, you know, most decisions are left to older white men. Um, but the thing is, like, our perspectives and uh, viewpoints of what it means to be growing up in Taos, to call Taos home, like, it's so different and variable. Like, there's so many bubbles within such a small town and county that you really can live your whole life here and not realize um, the disparity, um, the agony that some families are faced with daily. And I mean, we all have our bubbles of privilege. And so being able to be in this role where I've firsthand seen what addiction to prescription medication looks like, to see what the impacts of sexual assault are, to know what teen suicide and losing a friend to suicide um, feels like and looks like, um, to know that 
our, the adults from my childhood did not respond to the trauma we were experiencing. Um, like, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm 35 and I feel like I've learned better. I've, and I know better. And I don't want the youth and young people and even our grandparents to keep having to absorb so much loss that can be prevented. Um, mm. I don't want to be that adult that I was mad at as a teenager for realizing, like, what the heck? Like, you guys have studied these issues. You knew what you knew what could have happened, and you didn't do anything. Or if they did do something, it only engaged certain students or certain families. And that's why my involvement in 100% community, I committed to that so hard because it is not enough to say, oh, we do have these services. Like, oh, yeah, for alcohol. And, oh, we have these for new families. And if it's only part of the population that can access them, whether because of finances, literal transportation, um, or the lack of awareness that a service exists, like, we're failing. We're failing so huge. And so the 100% community is looking at, like, the 10 things we need to strive and thrive and saying every, like, 100% of every community member needs to have these available resources. And that's why I'm so excited about the upcoming mural day and and just being part of a huge core of Telsenios who are recognizing childhood trauma um, and and that we're like not embarrassed anymore because I think for so long we didn't want to admit that the people we love were being harmed by other people we love and I'm not going to be that adult anymore oh yeah. yeah thank you yeah. well and um, I don't you know there's not much else to say other than that and thank you for all of that mm-hmm. um, it, as we look at um Children, uh, you already said so much. What are some things that you would like to see um, those who seek to increasingly uh, support families and children and, 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 and connect with the wide variety of folks who are young, who are parents, um, who may or may not be accessing services? What are things that um, you would like to see change um, beyond what is currently available because we know that there's things available whatever that means Mm -hmm. and as you referenced they're not always um helpful to people because they don't connect with them or because of other reasons maybe you know yeah oh well i've always there's this trend that's happened where we've kind of separated generations from each other and growing up i was always surrounded by people that were old um and i think there's something to speak about cultures that help that have that intergenerational relationship building. Um, And so for programming, like in my opinion, when I host things or have an invitation, it's with the, there's several assumptions that are made. One, your kids are always invited. Like I will never have anything in which children are invited. And that's nuanced. I know people, I I get why there's spaces where we don't want to have children, but Um, That's one thing. The second thing is your parents and grandparents are always invited. Like there will always be a table for elders, um, for the grandparents who can be included and involved and not feel like a burden. Because quite frankly, when we look at grandparents, oftentimes if they're not raising the children, they're they're seen as like a burden. Um, And that there will always be food available. Um, 
those four things, those three things are always present for me because growing up, we lived out in Hondo and and I remember lots of things that my parents would be invited to, but we weren't invited because no kids allowed and we were five. Mm. Um, then there would be things where like they'd invite, but that but that meant my parents had to like make like pay for dinner for all seven of us mm. and it was cost prohibitive. So it was either we like ate at home and then came into town, but then like you're that family who's like not eating and like I always wanted to buy stuff and my parents would just be like, no. Um, and so whatever programming or efforts, like food always brings us together, um, making sure everyone feels invited. And I think it's a lot about the avenues in which we invite people. Like I think um, like the neighbor to neighbor connections, I think are the strongest ones that we've for a long time have kind of overlooked. Um, like working a street, like if we just focused on one street and each street is responsible for each other, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And how does that build community? Especially in a town where so much tourism has homes occupied by, you know, Airbnbers. And so finding the people that still have time to be together. And I mean, I introduce myself to my neighbors. I give them my phone number. Like I want them like, and they're all old people, which is my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, Cause they know I'm available. And it's like, you have to take that initiative. Um, also, I think, um, and this one, I, I don't know if it gets overlooked a lot, but churches have a huge role in our community mm -hmm. and service providers often maybe shy away from them because of opinions or the per perceptions of what the work you're doing might not align with them. But I can tell you right now, like my formative life experiences were all church related events, like for Halloween, for Christmas, for Valentine's Day, our church was very much facilitating the social spaces where there was no drugs, there's no alcohol. Um, it was a bunch of old people and like hundreds of little kids, <laughs> um, you know, and granted, there's a lot of um, opinions that vary, but it's an untapped like it's a captured audience of where kids already are because of where their parents are taking them. <laughs> so if you already have families going to a church Wednesdays and Sundays, or for us, that was Wednesdays and Sundays. Other churches are like Sundays and Tuesdays. So I, I mean, I would encourage service providers or people who are wanting to mobilize community to engage churches because we have a lot of churches in I mean, there's hundreds of families that are dedicated to that Sunday service that, um, I mean, have have we invited them to anything lately? I won't answer that because this isn't <laughs> about me, but I appreciate you saying it. <laughs> right, yeah, no, yeah, sure, it's, it's sure. just a thing that happens. And yeah, um, yeah I'd yeah, say sure. church, neighbors, and Spaces for mentorship, and as we know, the 100% community, like, there is a component for mentorship. And that's, like, the adults now. Like, if you're over 20 years old and you're still figuring out your life, 20 to 40, like, dedicate time to being a young person's life. Because just think about, like, your childhood and, like, who were the people that made you feel special and made you feel like you were capable of something really cool. For me, that was my grade school librarian. It was... Um, a geometry teacher who I like consistently failed in his class but like make no mistake that like our age ranges and how we engage with younger people is so powerful um and again it speaks to that intergenerational relationship building that really 
Like I, I have a lot of friends in their 20s and I feel like a mentor and reminding them that like the, your life is only beginning wherever you think you need to be and you're not there, get like you have all your 30s to do it. Because mm-hmm. um, that was someone I had in my life. I had a mentor who is like, 40s the best year of my life and getting older is amazing. <laughs> and oh my goodness, you know who you are and the things you love are more present. So I was never afraid to get old and I never felt like I was behind on anything because this one mentor was just like, your life's going to come together like at 40. And I was like, oh, cool. Great. (laughs) I'm glad because I'm 23 and I really want to quit school and it's all a mess right now. And I just heard back of my head like, I'm not supposed to have it figured out right now. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, those three things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, as we only have a limited amount of time, I want to first thank you for sharing so many um, wonderful insights um, and uh, the honesty with which you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wrap up this brief episode, uh, we spoke a bit about some of your ideas for organizations and things as they connect with community. Um, any thoughts um, in your various roles that you'd like to share with um, listening uh, audience on the radio or others just about, um, you know, what about those folks who haven't felt comfortable getting involved in, in supporting or, or, or interpreting things going on in the town council or, or in other aspects of the community. Um, do you feel like uh, listeners should consider getting more involved? Is it, is it something you understand if they don't? You know, just what, what's your perspective on that now that you're in this kind of position? I totally understand why anyone would not want to be involved and disconnected. Aside from, you know, the negative connotation that politics is a bad word aside from that like I know what it's like to have three jobs I mean like just three years ago I was contracting so many different gigs and like was I engaged civically no (laughs) like this reality is like we only have so many hours in a day and if you got to eat and go to sleep (laughs) like you got to take care of yourself and so but if you're wanting I I would hope that we are making spaces where people can feel involved or at least in the background contribute their ideas. And that's why I've been meeting with a lot of service providers in hopes to connect with more families and individuals whose perspective and voices are important to me um, because I'm not going to get the full picture. And I feel a lot of our city councilors feel the same way. So if you're tuning in and you have an idea or perspective, but you know you're not going to show up to a town council meeting or a joint county city meeting or like email us uh i'm on instagram on facebook quadilia ortega i'm the only one so you can find me easily um and you can start there obviously there's like a lot of cool community efforts underway um the round table at casa benavides is on wednesdays um you can chime in with 100 community initiative um Oh my goodness now i yeah, like have a like lot. a long list of all there of them but i mean what you're passionate about like Google it in Taos, and if you have time to volunteer, like reach out to a nonprofit that, like you know, you you can enjoy your time sharing what you have to share with them. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. again for everything, and um, keep on keeping on. <laughs> thanks, thanks for doing all you do. Same to you all. We're all keeping on, keeping on, and yeah, thanks so much. Paso, paso, this. Paso a paso. Podcast.